Um, if you would, please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to kind of continue the series that Andy John uh, started last week, uh, teaching through what we will be teaching at Best Week Ever, or uh, VBS. And uh, we will be obviously going through that over the next couple of weeks. Well, not next week. That's a move out uh, night that um, Pastor John will be leading. But after that, Andy John will jump back into this and be teaching. And there's kind of a reason behind that is we want to familiarize ourselves with what we'll be teaching over 500 kids who will be on our campus, uh, hopefully in a few weeks for VBS, um, and we can familiarize ourselves uh, with, with this material, with this uh, scripture, and hopefully we can have a, a real gospel conversations that matter at some point in time. And the, uh, some of you in this room even will be teaching those classes. If you're not in those rooms teaching those classes, you may be uh, leading in, in some rec time or snacks or something, and you'll know uh, what they are being taught. And so those conversations can be had anywhere on our campus at any time. And so we would encourage you to pay attention over the next few weeks and also be praying for that. Again, uh, VBS, our uh, best week ever, as Ashley's already asked us to do. And uh, we're going to go ahead and pray one more time before we jump into some scripture tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for grace. We thank you for mercy. Father, we thank you that we can slow down for just a moment. In the middle of our busy week, God, and focus on you, we are so thankful for the leaders here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church and what you continue to do through them. We are so thankful for our children's ministry and student ministry and uh, everybody in this room as well, God. And just pray that you would speak to our hearts tonight. And, Lord, we love you, and we are so thankful, that, again, that we could come together and just praise and worship and honor you tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. As we prepare to dive into God's Word tonight, again, open your Bibles or your Bible Alps, if you will, to Matthew uh, chapter 14. Um, Andy John uh, started this message off, uh, this series off, I'm sorry, last week. And he, uh, the, the topic of last week was Jesus is holy. Uh, Jesus is holy. The topic uh, for this week's discussion, if you're taking notes, is Jesus is trustworthy. Uh, these will be topics, again, that we'll be talking about with all of those kids who will be at Best Week Ever, and we'll be saying things like that to them. Jesus is holy, and this week, diving in, Jesus is trustworthy. When we think of the word trustworthy, what's some characteristics that come to mind? As I was preparing these notes and I started to think about that, I jotted down a few words uh, that I would characterize someone who may be trustworthy. They were words like dependable, reliable, responsible, and the list goes on and on for things that are characteristics of people that we would deem as trustworthy. But even those descriptors in themselves doesn't mean that someone is trustworthy because I would have to know you for a length of time to know that you are trustworthy. I would have to know you for a consistent amount of time that, uh, to know that you are dependable. I'm not going to know just by meeting you that you are reliable. I'm not going to know if, I, if we are, are, are uh, just acquaintances and just getting to know each other that you are responsible. So the descriptor that I like to throw in there, the key is consistency. There has to be consistent dependability, consistent reliability, consistent responsibility, 
And then I may deem you as someone who is trustworthy because I've seen you do those things over and over and over, consistently doing those things. In order for us to deem someone trustworthy, they must be consistently those things. In order for me to trust you, you must consistently do whatever those things are, those characteristics that I mentioned or anything that pops into your mind. If consistency is the key to trustworthiness, then we can trust Jesus as he is the model of consistency. So let's look at an example of that. We're going to flip over to Matthew uh, chapter 14. We're going to uh, slide down and start in, uh, at, at uh, verse number 22. And then we'll, I think we'll go, be going all the way through verse 37, I believe. But we're going to start with verse 22 and 23. Matthew 14, 22 and 23 says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Now to set this up, you're very familiar uh, with Jesus feeding the 5,000. Actually, it's probably more than 5,000 because they probably just counted the guys that was there. They probably didn't count the ladies and the, and the kids. So it was probably like 10 or 15,000, but we'll say the 5,000 for sake of conversation. Uh, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He told the disciples to get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake or the sea. Jesus had just completed a long day of ministry. And he knew that it was important for him to connect with the Father in prayer. As we know, Jesus' prayer life is not limited to just this one example. There's several other examples in Scripture. You probably know several of those. One of those we probably just got mentioned a couple of weeks ago as we celebrated Easter and, and, and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before uh, he's about to be arrested. And there's other uh, areas in Scripture, places in Scripture where it mentions and references uh, Jesus' prayer life. Spending time in prayer was not an afterthought for Jesus. He knew it was important, so he made it a regular part of his life. Knowing the importance of connecting to the Father as Jesus shows us what should our prayer life look like as a result. Knowing the importance of connecting to the Father as Jesus shows us, what should our prayer life look like as a result of that. Knowing that Jesus prioritized this, what should our prayer life look like? Well, the quick and easy answer comes, I think, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, very familiar verse, never stop praying. That's a good place to start. We've seen Jesus live this example to us. But what does that look like? Never stop praying. What does that look like in our everyday life? Do we pray uh, in the morning, I was thinking about these things. What does this look like in my own life? Do I pray before my feet hit the floor? In the morning when my eyes awake, do I, do I even mention the Lord? Do I even think about the Lord? Do I even think about those things before my feet ever hit the floor? Now, a lot of times I do, but I, just to be transparent and honest, a lot of times I hit that snooze button so many times that by the eighth time, I'm late, 
And so by the time my feet hit the floor, I ain't thought nothing about I'm about to get fired. <clears throat> I've got to get to the office. And so it may be a little later before I can get to my conversation with the Lord, but just, just throwing that out there, what does that look like for us? Do we pray before our feet hit the floor every morning? What does the prayer conversation look like on the way to the office? Do we turn on the radio? Do we turn on the podcast? I remember I used to work at Target <coughs> Distribution Center. Got, had to go to work very early. And a lot of times there's nothing on the radio that early anyway. And I would just turn it off and drive about 20, 30 minutes to Target and talk with the Lord. Sometimes I still do that. Again, being transparent and honest, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I turn sports radio on during football season because I want to get fired up about football season. So that challenges me. What does, my what does never stop praying look like? We don't have to turn on that radio. We don't have to turn on that podcast. In our quiet moments during the day, are they filled with connection with God through prayer? I'm sure it's some. Now, there are some of us who, from the time our feet hit the floor, were wide open nonstop all day long. But I would think at moments, it may just be a few minutes, it may be a break time, it may be a lunch time, it may be a ride in a car, but surely we can get quiet and listen and talk to our Heavenly Father. Jesus has set that example for us. Never stop praying. What do, the, do those quiet moments during the day look like? Are we trying to connect with the Lord? Or are we looking at Instagram reels over and over and over? Our little thumbs just keep scrolling. And we could take that time to connect with the Heavenly Father. Are we doing those things? Are we scrolling TikTok for 30 minutes to an hour becomes two hours, becomes three hours, virtually doing nothing but wasting time. I'm building a home right now, and so I tend to watch a lot of those do-it-yourself YouTube videos. I don't know why, because I'm not going to do it myself. I guess I think I could. If, I, if it was easy enough, maybe I would do that, but I'm really just trying to get ideas where somebody else can do it for me. Just wasting time. I could be connecting with my Heavenly Father, having conversation with Him, never stop praying. I think most of us probably, we do say that prayer when our head hits the pillow at night. But that alone, is that alone praying without ceasing? If that's the only time we get to speak with our, our Heavenly Father, is when our head hits that pillow for those few minutes in the calm, in the quiet as we fall asleep. Are we really connecting with him? Does that look like never stop praying? In ministry, we tend to devote a lot of time praying before big events. Uh, Easter, again, it was a few weeks ago. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed leading up to Easter. We had almost eight, over 1,800 people here on our campus. We had about, I think it was 2,600 across three campuses. Praise God for what he has done. Yes, amen. We pray for best week ever. We're praying leading up to uh, uh, that event. Uh, usually about once a month, our staff, we have staff meeting in here. We'll spread out across the sanctuary as we leave 
and everybody's in a section and we're praying for the people of our congregation that it will be sitting in those pews the, the following Sunday. And we do that quite often. We pray leading up to all of those events, but what about after Easter? What about after those events? What about after the event, the service is over with in Matthew 14 as we just read the big monster church service has just completed and Jesus goes alone to pray now I don't know about you guys but on a Sunday morning it looks nothing like Jesus's uh, worship service that he just had he's got 5,000 probably really closer to 10,000 and he after it's over the crowds disperse he decides to go get alone so he can pray more to get closer to God that he needs to reach and connect with him but most of the time when the service or the big event is over we're headed to Cracker Barrel we're not thinking about getting closer to the father that's our Man, I'm glad that's over with. When the family night at VBS, our, our best week ever, is done and over, praise God, thank you, and that's about as much conversation as he gets. What does never stop praying look like for us? <clears throat> Jesus is trustworthy in prayer. He is consistent in prayer. Jesus is also trustworthy when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm. We're going to continue to read there in Matthew. If I can get my phone back open. Matthew 14, verses 24 through 27. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. As I studied, some scholars said it was about, they were probably about three miles away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Again, Jesus is not only trustworthy in prayer, he is trustworthy in the middle of the storm. Have you experienced anything like the disciples in this story? This is a very familiar story. We uh, talk about it all the time. Again, going to be talking about it best week ever. We talk about it in our children's ministry a lot, so we're very familiar with that. Have you ever experienced anything like that? These guys are out in the middle of the lake, probably, again, three miles from the shore, and they're taking on waves. They're trying to row. It's not going anywhere. So much so that they are almost fearing death, that we're going to die out here and don't know what's going on. The text says the disciples were in trouble. It used the words they were fighting heavy waves. Even when they seen Jesus walking towards them, it says that they were terrified. This is some of us right now. This is some of us right now. If it's not you right now, it probably has been. And if it's not you right now, it's not, and you have not been in that place, you will be. These things will come to pass. You're going to have some trials and tribulations and things and the storms in your life. Just like with the disciples, Jesus 
we'll meet you there. I know that's simple. This is what we're going to be teaching our kids at Best Week Ever, but we've got to realize that so many times, even as adults, we don't think about those things. We don't even comprehend those things that even in the midst of those storms or wherever we're at, the crisis, Jesus will meet you there. I know that that is the most cliche Christian quote of all time. Jesus will be with you through the storm. Isn't, we hear it all the time, but have you comprehended that? It may be cliche, but it's the truth. Now, I would like to point out that in this scripture that we just read, Jesus told the disciples to get in a boat and head across the sea. So they are doing exactly what God has asked of them, and they still faced an awful situation. So technically, they are right smack dab in the middle of God's will. They're right where God has asked them to be. God has shown them the path. He told them, get on the boat and go. And they got on the boat and went, and they're now right in the middle of a crisis. Y'all, we live in a fallen world. So that means sometimes God is going to direct us to places that may be tough. But we have to trust him. There's going to be things that go on in our life sometimes that we don't understand. But if he's leading us there, we have to trust him. We have to trust that his ways are bigger than our ways. We have to trust that his plan is much more and bigger than our plan. He's thinking kingdom. When sometimes we're just thinking about our own situation in our own time. We have to trust him. The problem is sometimes we guide ourselves to the storm. We, we guide ourselves to, storm, to storms despite the Holy Spirit leading us in a different direction despite the, the red flags, if you will. We take ourselves to storms. We take ourselves somewhere where we shouldn't be, where the Holy Spirit is not leading us. It is not God's will. And now we're in a storm that we've created. Some of those like bad relationships, the red flags early in these relationships, they don't go to church. They don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I'm attracted to them. I work with them. They like me, I like them. You know, check the box, do you like me? They checked yes. But there's all those red flags. And we keep, keep on trucking the way we want to go. And then those relationships are harder and harder to cut off and get away from. And then you find yourself months or even years down the road wondering, God, what's going on? Why am I here? What, what are we doing and Jesus is back there like, hey, man, I told you to get off this interstate a long time ago. I told you to turn around and head this way months and years ago. I gave you all the red flags. I was leading you in this direction, but you chose your way. Those are storms that we put ourselves in. Bad decision-making, careers, uh, all kinds of things that we find ourselves in those situations, and God's not leading us to some of those things. Not that I know any, anything about this, but us acting a fool at the ball field. 
And then you're, you're setting a bad witness, an example at the ball field that you're in the community that you live in and that you're a pastor at. We've put ourselves in, y'all have put yourselves in those storms. I would never do that. <clears throat> but we do. We find ourselves in some of those storms sometimes are not places that God wants us to be. He told us to get off that road months and months before. We find ourselves in those situations asking, where are you, God? The good thing, he's there too. <clears throat> Moving on. Jesus revealed his trustworthiness to the disciples in the midst of the chaos by literally walking out on the sea to them. Again, they, uh, they're probably about three miles out. They probably can't even see the shore. And here comes Jesus just walking on the water. He expressed, he showed his power. The dude's walking on water that he created. He is showing them his power. <clears throat> Jesus showed his power over the world he created. So guess what? We can trust that power. The power that resurrected Jesus, the power that is walking on water, we can trust that power. The same power that walked on that water that resurrected Jesus and now lives inside of me and lives inside of you, that is a, that, that down payment, that is the down payment on what's to come, that uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit is power. We can trust that because you have it. This stuff is real. Jesus is real. If you've experienced this power, this indwelling of this Holy Spirit, it is undeniable. And we ain't got nothing to worry about if you've experienced that power. I had the privilege of going to a Trash Pandas game today. It was a, a lunchtime game. I got free tickets. I went over to the game, sat there for a, couple, a few innings, watched the game. About the fourth or fifth inning, the power went out in the whole stadium. There was no uh, scoreboard, no jumbotron, no, no pitch clocks. Some, some of you are, we shouldn't even have pitch clocks anyway, but that's a whole other sermon in itself. But there's no music, there's no PA, there's nothing. And as I've already prepped my notes for this, I'm thinking, man, this is just like what, what, what I'm talking about, having that power of the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. As we were sitting there, it was kind of a, a relief. It's just quiet, and we're watching a baseball game. Imagine that. But when the power was on, our eyes were opened. The jumbotron was on. We knew all the statistics. We knew what inning it was. Y'all, we didn't even know what inning it was. They started writing it on poster boards, and they would come out in between innings with an arrow that just said, bottom seven. <clears throat> but once the power was on, we, we knew all kinds of things. Our eyes were open. We understood the game. We understood what was going on. The PA guys uh, giving us clues of what's going on when, when they're having these meetings and all kinds of stuff. And that's what our life looks like when we've received this power, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We see life through new eyes, through biblical eyes. And we can understand things a lot better. And I say that to say again, you do not have to fear. I got plenty of time. Jesus tells his disciples, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. 
or as some translations put it, the I am is here. If you've ever cried out to the Lord to save you, the I am is here. Even saying those words have power. Do you say that to yourself? The I am is living in me. The Holy Spirit is living in me. The I am is here. You need to tell your situation that. When the enemy is bashing you upside the head about whatever it is, the I am is here. He's in control. God is in control. He's got this. Don't be afraid. There's a, a song that uh, I see a lot of uh, teams, they make these videos, and it's, it's, it's the champ is here. The champ is here. That's what I, when I was reading, I was saying, that's what Jesus shows up, and he's like, guys, y'all ain't got nothing to worry about. The champ is here. The victor is here. The I am is here. And you can say the same thing to your life and what's going on in your own life. The command to not be afraid any longer was not because the disciples' circumstances had changed. They're still out there in the storm. But rather because the one who is trustworthy has arrived. The one who is trustworthy arrived on the scene. Are we like those disciples? Are we focusing on the negative circumstances and have not noticed that Jesus has come to us? We will not, <clears throat> we fear our circumstances, yet he is calling out, telling us it is not, we don't have to be afraid. He's telling us that. I'd also like to note God will not always change our circumstances. And that's, that's hard truth sometimes. God will not always change our circumstances. As mentioned, some of us put ourselves in some of those circumstances. For many years, I did not know Jesus. For 32 years of my life, I didn't know Jesus. So I have a long list of transgressions. Long list. The sheriff's in here tonight. He can attest to you how long the list is. And it took a lot of years to reconcile a lot of those transgressions. Years. Some in the blink of an eye. Some years. God doesn't always change our circumstances. <clears throat> Again, some of us put ourselves in some of those circumstances. We will not always obtain our desired outcome. But what we see in this passage is that Jesus will always be with us as we travel difficult times. He's always going to be there. He's trustworthy in prayer. He's trustworthy in the storm. And lastly, Jesus is trustworthy to save. This is the good part. Last verse is Matthew 14, 28 through 33. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, 
Jesus said, why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped, worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they explained. We all know this story. We've heard it for years and years and years. We always mention Peter and his little faith. Peter got distracted by his surrounding circumstances and began to sink. How many times do we do that? We're distracted by our surrounding circumstances and take our eyes off the Lord. But I want to mention something else about Peter. That dude got out of the boat. He got out, he got out of the boat. Some of us are still sitting in the boat being distracted. They were all there distracted. All the other disciples stayed in the boat. Peter got out of the boat. Some of us, again, are still in the boat. God's calling us to do great things. God's leading us in a direction, and we're still staying in the boat. Guys, Jesus, the champ, the victor, the great I am is here. Do you know him? He is calling us to get out of the boat. He is calling us to do great things. He is calling us to share the gospel. He is calling us to teach kids at best week ever. He is calling us to witness to our, our neighbors, to witness to our uh, uh, team members. He's calling us to, to be a witness on our job. He's calling us to love our families, to be biblical uh, fathers and biblical husbands and biblical mothers and biblical wives. And some of us are still sitting in the boat, distracted by everything the world has to offer you. Verse 31 says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. I thought about that. He just reached his hand out and grabbed Peter, and he saved him. He's ready and willing to do that with you too. If you don't know him in an intimate way, he's ready to do that right now. If you do know him in an intimate way, he's ready to do that with people in your life right now. He's ready to do that with your family members right now. But they have to hear the gospel. They have to, somebody has to share those things with, with your friends, your family, your coworkers, all those people that I mentioned. Many of you know my story. I walked into this church uh, 16 years ago. Been here three, few, a few weeks, maybe a, few, a couple of months. I sat right back in there somewhere. And Pastor Dusty was preaching, told us to open up the Bible. We opened it up to wherever he said to open it up to. And I looked down and I see the word wise. Of course, my last name being wise, I thought, oh, I need to read this little small scripture. As an alcoholic, I had just drank the night before. I was an alcoholic, a convicted felon, a sorry excuse for a husband, a sorry excuse for a father, a, a sorry excuse for a friend, a sorry excuse for a co-worker. And as I sat right back there and I read that verse, Proverbs 20, verse 1, it said, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise and the Holy Spirit of God just convicted me and for the first 
time in my life, it's like a light switch flipped on. And I knew that this stuff that I was reading about, that I was hearing week in and week out, was real. And I had a decision to make. To continue living the way that I'm living or follow him. That's it. Come follow me. Just like Peter called out, Lord, save me. It's like he was sitting right beside me. Greg, let me take all this stuff from you. All these burdens that you got, I can take those things and I'll give you my robe of righteousness. You can be made right with God because right now you're not. You're separated from God and you need a Savior. And I'm that person. I am who the Bible says I am. I am the Son of God. He, he died a death on the cross. It was a sacrificial death for us that we may be made right with the Lord. He was resurrected on the third day as we just celebrated at Easter. He's now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And if you believe that and call on my name, you call on me for lordship. Let me lord over you. Let me call the shots. Don't, you don't have to do a bunch of religious stuff. Just let me call the shots. I'll take your sin and you can have my righteousness. That's the best deal I've ever been approached with. Yes, I took it. I'm here, right? Do you have a testimony? Your testimony doesn't have to be a radical, crazy testimony like my testimony or Pastor Dusty's testimony. I like hearing those testimonies. I like hearing testimonies. I've known Jesus since I was four years old and been walking with him. Praise the Lord. That's the testimonies that I like to hear. Can you convey that to other people? Can you convey that to kids who will be here at VBS who will desperately need the gospel explained very quick, clearly? Can you do that with your coworkers that you have a relationship with? Your family members, can you convey that to them? You have a personal testimony. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them that just like Peter in that story, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord to be saved. <clears throat> I would pray that everybody in here can do that. And I would challenge you as we wrap up tonight, be thinking about those things. Be thinking about the things that we're going to be teaching for the next few weeks, how you can convey that to kids who will be here uh, for VBS, how you can share your testimony in about three minutes or less. We're going to talk some more about that uh, next week as John will lead us in some evangelism stuff and um, if I'd known I was going to be preaching next week, I thank Katie for reminding me of that. I would have asked for a bonus this week because, I, anyway. But seriously, be thinking about those things because, uh, there's, again, there's going to be 500 kids here. And it, you don't have to be that teacher in that classroom. You can be that person who's on the playground. That kid's still thinking about something. There's going to be fifth and sixth graders here who are going through all kinds of stuff. I don't know if you guys know, but fifth and sixth graders now are dealing with some stuff. They'll come to you. We've had kids, we, uh, had a Bible club, first priority club at Johnson. I remember being there and like a fourth grade young lady asked my wife personal questions after we were leaving one day about homosexuality and those things. That's what our kids that'll be at VBS are dealing with daily. Do you love our kids enough? Do you love Jesus enough to study this material, to saturate yourself with this so you can convey it to them easily? And not only them, your own children, your own grandchildren, those kids on your ball teams, those 
uh, co-workers and all those things. So <clears throat> that's the challenge for you as we leave today. Thank you guys for being attentive. Um, I don't think I've got anything I need to close with. I know they're having a talent show upstairs, so if you have kids who are participating in that talent show, they may still be going on. I think they had about 17 acts or so that they were going to have to get through. And so if you uh, head up that way, you might can catch the tail end of that. But if not, you're welcome to hang out in the gathering space for a little while. They'll be coming down shortly. Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you again for grace. I thank you for mercy. I thank you for your word tonight and just the testimony of Peter, God, and how we can learn from that. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts to uh, want to share the gospel with those around us, Lord. Uh, and I pray that we can do that through relationship through wherever we are, in our neighborhood, at the ball field, at work, uh, here at uh, Best Week Ever, wherever, God, uh, I pray that you would open those doors, that you would put people in front of us, that you would put those names on our minds and our hearts, and we would continue to pray for them and pray for salvation. And, God, that you would give us the words to say, that you would give those uh, opportunities to us to share your word, share your love, and share your gospel. God, we love you, and we praise you again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>